Doug's Cute Mental Neuroses. My name is Doug, and these are my Cute Mental Neuroses. I'm back at the Robo Room. I'm back at the Robusto Room. Join a smoke, beer, some whiskey. It's going to be great. It's going to be back. There is a bunch of anxieties and some mental stuff that we're going to get into. I feel like I haven't done a... Um... By the way, the, the music behind me, I don't know if it's getting picked up, but it's this weird mix of... Right now it's the Sneaker Pimps, but... It was kind of sandwiched by um, some kind of Cubo, uh, Cuban-centric uh, Latin jazz. So if that's what you're hearing, I'm, I'm at the Robusto Room, not listening to the Saint soundtrack uh, in Cuba. There will be some uh, anxiety stuff. Um, it, it's been a while since, you know, I've really talked about, well, I mean, a couple weeks ago I did the car of the depression, but I uh, there's something I, I don't know if I've ever really brought up on the show much. Um, I tried to bring it up too often. But I'm going to be talking uh, a, a few things about uh, some slight mental illness. Um, not that I'm like a, a psychopath or anything, but I mean, mental illness is the depression and part of the and, and the neuroses and the anxiety and all that. I want to kind of talk about some of the uh, pros and cons of, of something. We'll just slam through the uh, easy, fun stuff real quick. New damn logo, almost done. Uh, I showed it to Deb and got some notes on it, and it's going to be ready to go. And then I'll show Lizzie the final draft. And uh, it should be good to go, so hopefully less than a week, maybe. And then that's it, and then I'll be redesigning a lot of stuff for Shooting the Gap, but um, I need to sit down and talk with uh, Gonzo about a few things, not fun things, uh, at the end of this week um, before we go into rebooting Shooting the Gap. I'm, like I said, treating it like a new show, so it's going to have new ad copy, a new logo, possibly a new theme song. He and Ryan are going to talk about that. Uh, Ryan, that's Ryan's homework when I saw him last week. Um, I'm sorry, the, uh, earlier this week. That's, you know, good. Uh, I've had a personal fire doing. I, you know, everything with the car slowed me down, and I just was like, okay, I gotta go, and now that I've got a car again, I need to go get a haircut, I need to drop this off, I need to pick this up, dot, to dot, to dot, and I just, like, slammed through just so many errands and things around the house I had to do, um, like fixing a clock and cleaning my bathroom and da 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 da, da. Like, I, it's it's because I have the time again, because I'm not losing hours of my life in transit on public transportation. Not that I'm knocking public transportation by any means. Massive fire of doing it in my personal life, getting a whole bunch of stuff done. I, had, I mean, literally, it was like a 12 to 15 item to-do list uh, on top of everything for the network. Um, and I just slammed through it almost all in one day. I think there was one thing I had to do on Tuesday. that, But my, my Monday, uh, my Monday, Tuesday, I had off of the day job and uh, just slammed through a bunch of stuff. And that always makes me feel good. I've said that before. The productivity keeps anxiety and depression away. Speaking of anxieties and the car, one thing I did not see uh, coming with the car, and this will be the last time I bring up the car. I know it's been like two or three weeks straight about car stuff, so, um, but you know, it made me nervous. It gave me anxiety to drive it for the first, I think like two, three days. Cause it's like, not only is it a new car to me, but you know, to me it feels like a, a brand new car. It's fragile, made of glass, even though it's not. Um, I mean, parts of it are the windshield and the windows, obviously, but I think you know what I mean with the metaphor. So it was really nerve-wracking, like I, and I just had to go, okay, I can only control myself, I can only control myself, and making myself more tense driving, not a good thing. Um, ended up smoking in the car, which I said I was going to try not to do, and then once I had one, it was like, well, fuck it, um, too late now, which it wasn't. Uh, that was me deluding myself and lying to myself, and yes, I know that. Uh, but there was a guy who pulled into a... Um, neighborhood intersection a bit too far and I, I gave 
I, I was going to have to swerve a little bit, but I gave him an extremely wide berth because it was really early, early in the morning and there was no one on the road. But I was just like, it, 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 it nerve-wracked me so bad that I was like, fuck, I have to have a cigarette. I need to calm down. I need to, like, just relax. But, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's fine now. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much comfortable with the car. Um, and I was a lot about being comfortable getting a sense of how the car reacts, what the buttons do or don't do. You know, it made me very nervous. Like, I pulled over to the side of the road because um, it's getting chilly here in Colorado in the early mornings. I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to turn on my heater. Um, there's not a heater button, there's an AC button, and I figured I would just turn the fan on, you know, and then adjust the temperature, which is how you do it. But I know that sounds really simple. It's, it's like, you know, the dial's like a, a shower faucet, it's, you know, blue and red. But, uh, you know, I didn't know if I had, like, an outright, like, heater button. I, well, fuck, if I know, what do I know? Things got defrosting windows, for fuck's sake. I've never... Thanks, future. So I had some mild anxiety driving the car. I wouldn't necessarily file that under my acute mental neuroses, but, it, you know, it was nerve-wracking. Something that did trigger some neuroses, I've talked a lot about a fear of failure and a fear of success on this show. Not so much the fear of success, but the fear of failure after succeeding, um, which is very acute, uh, mental neuroses. Lately, we've been doing a lot of con-exclusive stuff on No Applause, Just the Clap, and one of them was a Q&A with Timo Pennicat, who is on Supernatural, he was on Dollhouse, he played Ballard, because um, I watched Dollhouse. He was... Hilo, I think was the character's name, on Battlestar Galactica, and I guess he was like a really important character. I don't know. Didn't watch it. And Supernatural, I didn't watch at all. Don't care. I'm not saying Winchesters go fuck themselves. I'm just saying, wasn't my thing. Uh, he ended up uh, retweeting and, and, re and sharing our, our Facebook and Twitter posts, respectively, and exposed us to tens of thousands of people, which thank you very much. But I am not... Once again... It, go back months and you hear me talk about how like damn hit big in in a way like just exponentially overnight and when i saw the numbers i just about choked and checked myself all at the same time like both ends of the digestive system were like oh my god this was another one of those moments because it was like your post has you know been shared and i'm like yeah well okay that's fine it's probably my cousin or me or you know lizzie or somebody like not a big fucking deal and then i see the post is doing better than expected or better than usual which I was like, yeah, okay, it says that if I reach 103 people as opposed to 93 people. So, sure. Um, how bad could it be? Or how good could it be, rather? And when I, uh, <laughs> kind of the same thing in my brain. And it was like, this post has been seen by 12,000 people, 13,000 people. Just started going up, and I'm going, oh my god, the people that follow him are fucking sharing his. And, and, and like, downloading the episode. I mean, we didn't hit 12,000 by any means. Nowhere near. Um, but it was a significant enough increase that I was, um, like I said, uh, choke, choke chittingly, uh, induced chat choked, something like that. So that was, that was, uh, that was something. So I think that's going to be another, once again, huge stepping stone where we just got out in a huge way, building groundswell, same thing with Dam and the partnership with the Robusto Room. It seemed to really just hit a niche when it needed to. So there you go. And then, uh, what, the last couple things Cars and Zed has already talked about. There was one funny thing I wanted to bring up before I get into the kind of quote-unquote real stuff. I, we were joking about it on what would be this week's um, No Applause, Just the Clap. We didn't really totally get into it. I think I talked to Deb off-air about it um, because I knew it was something I wanted to talk about on Damn. That I, I have now uh, <laughs> reinvented the term drink responsibly 
Because, you know, when Cat Morgans or Jameson or Jamie Scotch or Absolute Vodka say it, they mean, obviously, don't drink and drive. Don't get blackout blasted on your own. Like, drink responsibly. And I don't know what got into me one day last week. Just one day. I've, I've been, it's been a long time since I've gotten blackout drunk. I got blackout drunk. I think it was like what, it, it was something where I had the, the, the time and for whatever reason, like the, I was just like, I just kept drinking. Blacked out and woke up uh, the next morning and um, I was joking with Deb because as I was telling her the story, she's like, that's really bad that you did that. I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's, that's not a normal everyday occurrence. That's not even a weekly or monthly occurrence for me. I don't, you know, I think part of it was I think I ate on an empty stomach, or drank on an empty stomach, rather, and it, it just hit me in a way that it doesn't normally, and I just was like, I'm just going to keep drinking. And I got blackout drunk. It wasn't intentional at all. It wasn't like, I'm going to get fucking wasted. It just kind of happened. And um, I was at home. I wasn't driving. I mean, I was literally drinking responsibly on that regard. But I woke up the next morning. And, you know, woke up like I normally do, checked some email, looked at the news. And I had these emails. And it was like AT&T and my uh, insurance. And there was another one. And it was like, thank you for paying your bills. I'm like, did I get drunk and get responsible? I literally don't remember paying any of my bills. And it's not like I don't have the money. It wasn't like, oh, shit, I just spread myself too thin. It was just like, I got blackout drunk and paid all my bills and then as I was getting ready like in the shower I was like oh shit I probably didn't eat I probably that's why I got blackout drunk you know I I didn't eat and uh so I went up you know got out of the shower and was getting ready and I went to go get the cream out um for my coffee in the morning and there were leftovers in the fridge and I went I fucking cooked I had leftovers I adulted while blackout drunk like it was I I didn't wake up still drunk. Like, I was fine. I literally drank and was responsible. I've rechristened the definition of drinking responsibly. That's impressive, folks. No matter which way you cut it, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, I was floored. Floored by myself. It's like one of those things where, like, you know, when you're drunk and you make yourself a sandwich for the next morning and you're like, eh, drunk me, sober me's best friend. Like, no. Drunk me is sober me's like responsible secretary, like executive assistant. Like what? What the fuck? What the shit? And now we get to the real stuff. So I don't know if I've talked about it much on the show, um, but I have a near photographic memory. It's not completely photographic. It's not eidetic, which is the term medical term for that. Um, it's near photographic, and what basically that means is what I read, watch, see, I tend to remember about. 99% memory retention. Now, it's not to the point where you went on October 12th, 1930, or 1932, I wasn't around, so I don't remember much of it. Uh, but like, you know, 1992, like, what were you wearing? Like, I, I couldn't tell you what I had for breakfast, I couldn't tell you, um, I can tell you what I, I was wearing when I met my ex, when we met when I was 18, and that was 17 years ago. I can tell you that. I couldn't tell you what day it was, but I can tell you what I was wearing. I can remember my bank account number from 12 years ago, I won't, for security reasons, obviously, but numbers don't stick, and um, when I first meet people, names don't stick, and part of that is because 
my brain is constantly taking in all of the input and names. Um, I have to uh, kind of quickly associate with some kind of pop culture lifeline or it won't stick. Numbers I will remember, but they have to be repetitively thrown at me. And I'm bringing this up because I've had several conversations uh, lately of, you know, I say when someone says, oh, good memory, and I went, you're photographic, actually. And they go, really? That's so fucking amazing. And yeah, it's nice. Uh, it made school really easy. There are downsides to it. Um, I, I think it is linked to my insomnia. I think my brain will not turn off. Actually, for I know for a fact it doesn't. I had a girlfriend who made note of that. I always like slammed a beer, slammed a couple beers right before I'd go to bed just to turn my brain off so I'd be able to fall asleep. The insomnia isn't just insomnia. It's not the inability to sleep. It's that my brain is constantly thinking of new ideas. I woke up literally in the middle of last night um, at like one in the morning and was like, I have an idea for a podcast and I, I know exactly where it's going to go. And uh, there, it's it, uh, the idea is I'm going to develop it with Deb, but but that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. And I couldn't fall back asleep initially. Um, I didn't drink or anything, but I kind of forced my brain through meditation to kind of slow down so I could go back to sleep before my alarm went off. But I would wake up in the middle of the night at like midnight or one and just start writing or drawing, and I couldn't stop. It was eerily compulsive that my brain won't turn off. So I had to numb it um, with alcohol, which I think was the kind of beginning of the end. And they say that people with gifts, um, highly intelligent or otherwise, um, people with high intelligence tend to be um, prone to alcohol or drug addiction. And it's absolutely true, because it's the only way we can, we, we find that our brains will quiet down enough to let us be, you know, normal. To, to not keep keep us going. It, it, I mean, think of a, a machine that you just try driving a car without any gas. That's what it feels like some days. Because, um, you know, it's like, well, you have no fuel. You haven't been able to sleep. You haven't been able to recharge. And the machine just wants to keep going, whether you want it to or not. And most times you want it to. So there, there are downsides. I also think that the, the memory, reten memory retention is also inherent with some of my depression. I think that um, once again, my brain is always trying to take in everything, and when I try to coast um, or I don't have anything to do, that lack of productivity, um, the brain's going, well, I'm not doing anything, and I don't feel good about it, so now you don't feel good about it, even though it's my own brain saying that. So yes, I think all these things are linked, and I've been reading the uh, biography of Warren Zevon, who was this genius songwriter, uh, most well-known for Werewolves of London, but... The album that's Unacceptable Boys is one of the most phenomenally written albums ever. New Zealand is like this weird underground, you know, never fully realized genius. Um, he died of uh, some kind of lung cancer in the 2000s, but uh, possibly the late 90s. But um, I've been reading about him and how when he got sober, um, and he was like a really heavy, like blackout drinker, like. Every, almost every day and he got abusive and it's an unflinchingly honest book called uh, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead um, great book, great book but uh, he he it seems like people go well he suddenly got OCD when he got sober and I don't think that's true and, and there's I think one person that says he, that they think that the, the alcohol masked the OCD 
mask the mental illness. Um, I don't know if Billy Bob Thornton weighs in on that as well. So, I mean, I do think it's, uh, it's linked that people with mental illness will mask it with alcohol, or people with genius mask it with alcohol. He was an extremely intelligent person. Um, extremely high IQ, and that kind of, And I don't mean like, oh, like, you know, you say you're smart. I mean, like, actually medically high intelligence. Um, I think, like I said, those people are prone to uh, alcohol and drug addiction. Um, it's the only way to bring themselves back to, you know, lower the curve in on their own bodies. You know, if you really are one of these people with a mental illness, uh, depression, OCD, um, extreme anxiety, you know, bipolar, um, bipolar is often an untreated one, um, you know, look at your life and, and see, you know, that you're doing okay and you're not numbing yourself to it. You need to obviously get help, get put on proper medication if need be, and just take care of yourself. Just take care of yourself. That's what I want you to do. I don't want you to numb yourself with drugs and alcohol the way I have. Please, please get help. And on that weirdly uplifting note, from Damn Doug's Acute Mental Neuroses, I'm Doug. And from Damn Doug's Acute Mental Neuroses, these have been my acute mental neuroses. Please help yourself and have a good night, Internet. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like D20 Proof, Knapsack Comedy, and Mr. Right. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.